We have never, ever, ever encountered this condition before in silver in the whole history of the COMEX. Upon the breakout, gold's going to make a new all-time high. Gold-backed ETFs in inflows of over $5 billion. trillion gold market. Why are we the only guys to see Welcome to Life in the Vault. My name is Shane Moran, and I'll be your host for this episode. So just before we go over to Talking Gold with Andrew McGuire, please keep spreading the word about this channel by hitting that like button, uh, hitting the share button, and also subscribe to this channel, and then hit the bell so that you will be notified in real time as these episodes go live. So with that, let's head over to the UK and the one and only Andrew McGuire with Talking Gold. Now, Andrew, to answer our most frequently asked questions, uh, what we normally do is we go back and review the last two weeks and what you like to call the largely paper-driven casino action uh, with the larger wholesale market picture. Can you just give us your take on what you're seeing in the markets right now with this market intervention that's happening and that's been happening that we covered on our last episode. Over to you, Andy. Yeah, Shane, you know, it's always it's always great. You always lift me up every time I speak to you. Um, and uh, yeah, yes, the, the, let's put let's put it into perspective. There's tons to get through here. Um, and, and I think it, it is always a good place to start. I mean, that, that is a question, as you say. We do get an awful lot of questions on. And is it any surprise? I mean, when you look at the action that we've seen this month of August, now, clearly, you know, people are asking a lot of questions. And now, but what we've seen since our last episode actually is really worth noting uh, to the point, and this is, this is mind-blowing, to the point where for the first time in history, we've actually evidenced such a market dislocation in silver that last week made COMEX silver attractive to be locked in for price and demanded for delivery. And get this, get this, at a price attractive enough to be bought back by a refiner who had wholesale orders they couldn't fulfill. This is history in the making, I'm telling you, and I'll get to that in a moment. But, you know, let's, let's get into the weeds first because it kind of answers the, the, the subscriber question. But after a full assessment of bank and spec positioning last week, two things are really, really evident. Firstly, the infamous Sunday night raid has forced full spec capitulation in both gold futures and silver futures, as well as spot. And any remaining sell orders are naked short, but in the weak hands of technical momentum sellers. With insiders, you know, the clever insiders who are part of this program, on one-to-one -one against them on the long side. Now, secondly, the second reason is while gold futures have been receiving safe haven flows alongside the dollar, you know, based on uh, Fed concerns, virus concerns, all this kind of stuff. So you sometimes see, and more often than not, you do see the dollar rising on those uh, safe haven flows, but gold also overcoming uh, the the natural sell orders that come when the algorithms that are geared up, and we've talked about these algorithms before, what happens is, there's one that, that relates directly to dollar gold. Well, obviously, you've got long dollar, short gold, and you kind of got that algorithm. But, but we've had so many safe haven buyers coming in saying, yeah, okay, we'll have some dollars, but we'll also have some, some gold. So it's kind of offset that algo, which, which is in place, 
but has seen gold rising and really sustaining itself above, you know, moving up with, with the dollar. So for the moment, we'll, we'll focus on, we'll, look, we'll focus on silver and, and, and gold a little more, um, but they're both in an advanced stage of an upcoming rally uh, after cementing in a fresh higher stair step, which we looked at last time, which was, if you remember, 1677.90 low, which was forged uh, forged into that uh, August low. Uh, and But if you remember, we said that was exactly to the tick, $227 higher than the 1450 March 2020 low. And these are the reason I keep referring to March 2020 is because the footprints are the same. I mean, okay, slightly different circumstances. Obviously, we don't have that COVID concern, but it's the about the exchange for physicals. I'll look at that in a minute. I don't want to get too bloody complicated about this thing, but before moving on to silver, which clearly we want to do, um, as we observed in our last episode, and we and remember we recorded that one actually on the 11th of August, just after the August 8th intervention. Um, and we identified at the time that this was actually a gold-centric attack. If you remember, the silver the silver volumes were so minuscule. I think it was only 7,800 contracts that initially sm smashed silver down all that way. Um, but I mean, but of course that caused some tactical damage. You brought in the uh, the, the, the momentum sellers, uh, and so the specs have been since then been selling below the moving averages. And guess who's on the long side of that? Of course, the insiders are on the long side of that. Um, and so really what this gold-centric attack was designed to do was it was actually designed to attack unhedged long uh, positions as well as hedged very large COMEX and over-the-counter long stops deep below the market, like really deep below the market. But what's not widely understood is that this entire really far too obvious intervention, was directly related to a scramble to unwind unallocated over-the-counter long-short uh, dollar FX gold contracts before season commences in September, which we're only days away from. Now, such an intervention could never have been achieved in an active session or in a liquid market. This was plain vanilla old-school market intervention. Uh, and we see that in the foreign exchange markets all the time. Um, but holding the book uh, on your clients provides visibility into where these maximum capitulation pain trigger points are. Now, you're holding the book on these guys. You know exactly where those pain points are. And targeting unhedged long stops, that's just one part of the strategy. But, you know, because you say, well, yeah, a lot of people are hedged. Yeah, but of course, what does that do if you're hedged? And that means that you have to, you're basically having to, um, to, 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 in other words, so basically what you would have in more likely than not, you will have sold some puts below, deep below the market to gain a little alpha. In other words, a bit of a spread within a range. What happens is these guys know exactly, even though you are not naked, uh, naked on those positions, what they would do is force you then below, by taking the price below a certain level, what we do is force you to sell futures to hedge that position. And then what do they do? Buy it back aggressively, right as you, uh, and bear in mind, you're talking about very, very thin market, holiday market conditions. So that's what enabled these very large long stops to be reached. 
But the result of this intervention was that for the first time since March 2020, it drove the exchange for physical uh, connection between the front, between the gold futures market, and in this case it was the October contract, and the 10 times larger foreign exchange for FX market. And if you remember, all an EFP is, is it's an exchange for physical, and what it means is that if you have a futures position, you can exchange it uh, for a spot position or the other way around, and literally that, that is the process of taking delivery. So between, in other words, you can get, it's arbitrageable, i.e. you can, you can, um, you can, you can actually uh, lock in a price um, based upon a paper price. So, but it's this, it's this exact condition that uh, it really caused liquidity providers who had previously lost hundreds of millions last time when the exchange for physical fractured. If you remember, we saw $100 spreads. We saw them racing for covers, having to run to the futures market to try and cover their short positions. You remember all this stuff that we talked about before. Um, they lost hundreds of millions. And even some of the first tier banks like HSBC admitted to losing 200 million. But some of the second tier banks in Europe um, never ever came back into the market. They just, that was it for them. Um, but as we discussed last time, the important point to focus on is that this, this ho holiday market August attack really almost backfired, coming close to blowing apart this EFP mechanism we just talked about. Uh, which is really that link between the physical and the futures market. Now, what happened was, for the first time since March 2020, we saw this expansion of the futures market. And the what wasn't really seen by most people, and we talked about it last time, there was a $48 premium, or what is called a contango, um, and to, to the spot market, and suddenly the spot market uh, bid asked, which should be literally 10, 20 cents, rose to 40 to 45 dollars between the bid and the ask. This was, this was, I mean, as I say, this is the last time, uh, the last time that this occurred was, and this is the first time since then, um, that, uh, that we've seen this since uh, uh, March 2020. And I, that's why I really wanted to underscore this, because there's been no case since that. And in fact, silver, we'll talk about silver in a minute, but silver had never been in backwardation, i.e. the futures price cheaper than the spot price since then. Suddenly it is. Now, it was only the fact that the Bank of International Settlements Gold Trading Desk, who instigated this operation, um, and uh, they were the ones behind this foreign exchange gold market intervention, obviously, uh, that was orchestrated by officials that was sanctioned otherwise you couldn't get away with such a thing um, they were ready to step in to provide spot market liquidity into this into this short covering capitulative move and they were able to stem a full-on EFP collapse which they weren't able to do last time uh, and it just had to be averted at all costs now this targeted intervention was directly related to Basel III efforts to square up unallocated over-the-counter gold contracts. This is absolutely fascinating. Now, uh, I'm fascinated by this, Andrew. The, the, the thing is, uh, last episode, 
You had mentioned that the gold October futures contract was being targeted for physical delivery because of it was trading at a discount to the global physical price. So the futures versus the global physical price. Can you confirm that this is that this is happening? Yeah, Shane, you bet. I mean, this entire charade, which is what it was, did come actually at a physical cost. Um, now, we've direct knowledge of Swiss and European banks and even refiners locking in October gold for physical delivery at up to an $8.25 discount to spot. We mentioned that last time. Yes. And when one considers that refiners are charging a premium over spot, you can just imagine how attractive this was. I mean, this is a COMEX is Basel III compliant. So October gold is now locked in and in the crosshairs for physical delivery. And yes, so are the insiders who also capitalized on this event to both short cover um, unallocated exposure, which is what this was really all about, but also to suck up cheap physical at the expense of targeted longs and also by sucking in the spec sellers. Now, what we did was we outlined after this raid that it was no coincidence that insiders and officials targeted the exact largest aggregation of spot gold long stops. I mean, almost to the tick. And I know this because I know people who were rinsed at exactly those levels before it bounced back. Uh, and, and then suddenly we've got the central bank, the sovereign buyers. Um, really, they had to appear at this point because if they hadn't, it would have gone too deep. Uh, you'd have probably seen the EFPs explode, uh, but there would have been that suddenly you were attracting, and this all happened in a millisecond, and you'd have attracted uh, other central bank and sovereign buyers who did appear, and and what would have that would have done if you hadn't bought those positions back quickly, you'd have crossed the lines to the detriment of officials. In other words, you'd have risked backfiring the entire operation and gaining nothing except transferring the power into uh, other, other, other competitive hands. And, and that's why this raid had to be conducted as a flash crash, with insiders already bid at these targeted turning points. Why? They've got the book. And we know this to be the case, as, as we said, two very large and completely separate trading desks were rinsed of literally millions of ounces of gold and also silver, as we said, exactly at the bottom tick before the short covering bounce higher. This is criminal behavior, but clearly sanctioned. But here's the good news. That's not all bad news. Bottom line, this sets up a perfect base for a rally from the, the 1677.90 low, which was forged on the 8th, setting up gold for a similar March EFP-driven, $600 physically-driven rally, which would jive with what most liquidity providers expect into BIS compliance into the end of the year. Don't forget, we are moving into uh, Basel III compliance at the end of the year. So, Andrew, from, from what you're seeing and what I'm hearing is gold looks extraordinarily bullish at this time. And you just mentioned silver, so I, I've got it for not only on my behalf, of course, but for all of our silver friends all over the world. What are you seeing in silver? Shane, you always crack me up. So it comes to silver, the passion, the passion rises. I know, but you're not alone. And, uh, and we all have that. I think we have silver in our blood. Um, so 
Yes, onto silver. Well, while gold has been attracting, I think it's important to understand why silver has been under, underperforming as well. Um, while gold's been attracting this safe haven flow, as, as we discussed alongside the dollar, it's really patently obvious that the inverse dollar to SI algo, this is the algorithm which is similar to gold, that it really is, if the dollar's rising, uh, you sell a, the silver futures contract um, or even the forward contract. And, and so basically, but whereas gold was getting enough inflows, safe haven inflows to, uh, to overcome uh, these flows, silver was overwhelmed. Um, and it really, yes, there is safe haven flows coming in, but there was such a volume of selling, paper market selling, that what it did, though, was actually create a wonderful opportunity. Uh, and if you saw, if you were looking at the ticks and you, you would, if, as trade, I mean, obviously, if you're a stacker, hey, you know, who cares? You're buying it. And, and this is, none of this is really important. But if you were a trader, you would have noticed that last Friday, right at the close, at the market close, they banged the silver contract, the September silver contract, down just below 23. But if you've been looking closely, the spot silver market, i.e. the more physical side of the market, the FX market, never closed below 23. And it closed also above the further out December futures contract. Now, this is an EFP dislocation and deep backwardation in December silver as well, hey, clearly that's not sustainable. And again, another thing we haven't seen since March 2020. Now, really, that clue is there. It's, a, it's just how dislocated the silver future price has been driven from a physical supply fundamental uh, perspective. And that was evident when spot silver um, had, even though it did close above 23, at one moment it dipped under 23. Uh, but it drove the spot price of silver five cent higher than COMEX futures. That's the first time, as I say, since March 2020, before an $18 rally came. And but this dip into 23 came at exactly the same time. We were on to our largest Russian refinery, orders pouring in, seeking silver at 23 in spot. They reported they were completely sold out of all wholesale supply. Why? Because there's a race into silver. And this immediately spilled over into all the other refineries. Uh, you know, there was a race to buy thousand ounce wholesale bars. It, it just exploded. So in short, not a single silver ounce was available at 23, nor will it be. None of this baked is baked into the COMEX silver pricing. But all first and second tier market makers are aware of this dislocation and are busy taking the long side of every sell order. And also, at this price, backwardated COMEX silver right through the September contract, which expires, which goes into options expiry tomorrow on Thursday and expires at the end of the month, all the way through to December. This has become the cheapest deliverable silver on planet Earth. And we need to think about this for a second. Just think about this. It's a deliverable market. Silver was being sourced for delivery at the COMEX to flow back to refiners so they could fill orders at a premium to spot. It's a no-brainer. This is now obviously being arbitraged as the insiders 
I mean, they had to step in to stem this condition from occurring again, but it blew right back and really sets the, 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 the situation where is how much more can you sell? Well, really, this is not a good condition to put yourself in. And then they mean it. What it means, they have to allow the price to rise as we move into season next month. Now, in the meantime, yes, by a little, a little bid pulling here, a little bid pulling there, you can keep incentivizing uh, the spec sellers, paper sellers, just to technically try and chase silver to zero. They have no concept of the physical side, and uh, but that's the nature of the game. So, I would say anybody, anybody who is looking to buy silver. Um, is is really bottom line. I mean, this is a condition that that it, 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 in when you look back at this situation, you kick yourself for not capitalising on this ludicrous situation. And um, I mean, this sets up silver for, for a silver rally from this ridiculous twenty two teen two nine five level, which is. Actually, even that was $10.29 higher than the, the 12,000 March 2020 low, but it's a stair step higher. Uh, and we still have an expectation from that at a, for an $18 rally into around, let's say, 35 to 40 as a first step. Wow, that's amazing, amazing. I love silver, so do a lot of my friends and a lot of people watching this uh, channel. And again, I, I, I can't go into the details right now, but it rhymes with silver. Get your account and go in and watch the exchange in, in, the, in the Kinesis uh, back office there on the exchange. So uh, one other thing that we've noticed, uh, Andrew, and a lot of people have noticed is that the gold-silver ratio has recently moved higher. Can you comment on this movement? Yeah, and, 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 I, and I also will rhyme what you're saying. Um, there is something coming up and, and it relates to exactly what we've just been talking about. There is a, a major, uh, major move coming. And um, I think you just need to be watching, uh, certainly be watching the Kinesis uh, exchange very, very closely. Uh, the current silver suppression flywheel, it, that is the gold silver ratio. Um, which has been driven up to what seventy-seven to one in the other. I mean, ludicrous. Any further paper market selling from here on, and this is not just my view. This is really the the view of all liquidity providers we've spoken to. I mean, this would expand this ratio to even more of a nosebleed level. And footprints evidence that insiders are already one to one long. Well, actually, they're one to one short on that trade, meaning they're long silver, short gold. Um, because if you look at the, the options uh, sweet spots and you look at their, their positioning, and that's why it's still $25.5 to $26. I mean, very short term. I'm not saying, of course, we're going to be substantially higher than that. But even now, that is what they're looking at. This is, this is a hugely profitable trade for them because they know they're well below where they have assessed they want silver, even for options this month. And if, it's, if it fails to be achieved, you can watch out for air pockets above that after options expiration as deliveries come in, as these exercises of these options contracts expire. Now, I don't want to get too technical, but basically our best assessment, aggregate assessment, not just mine, is around 32 to 1. That, that's kind of where it should be. If the 
in January. Let's just say in January. And, and there's a lot of insider money to be made on the, on the long silver short gold trade as gold moves into Basel III compliance. It's implausible that silver could be driven over 100 to 1 again when the same actors are physically backed with gold. So based upon the current gold price at around 1800, this technically puts silver right now, 55 bucks. That's where it should be. And when GC hits the Basel III compliance date of around 23 to 2500, and that's conservative, uh, that'll be, let's just say on December the 31st, what, we've less than four months, that's likely going to be around 70 bucks an ounce, simply on that ratio. And this seems implausible to the current PSYOPs operation that you're witnessing now. But every single market making first and second year bank is accumulating physical silver for exactly that reason. And that's why you should keep an eye on what's going on at Kinesis because it is very, very tight. And as we've discussed, and, and we're talking about we're talking about moving in on uh, on the wholesale market and providing wholesale silver to everybody. And as we've discussed previously, silver, although it's joined at the hip to gold, is not yet in sync with you know gold's uh, Basel III compliance, the gold's COMEX futures Basel III compliance, and and it, you know it continues to evidence insider bid pulling. Not, they're not going short, they're putting bids in a clear attempt to suck in more naked short technical sellers for these same market making insiders to take the long side of. This will not be sustainable into such tight physical conditions just as we move into season on September the 1st. And we likely start to evidence short covering really in a very short term if, if we would like to see that after options as delivery obligations simply have at this point to be hedged with fresh physical supply to bolster and offset these delivery demands. So really, to answer your question, Shane, uh, silver has reached a sufficient divergent price where refiners will now start to buy COMEX silver, if you discount it any further than it is, to bolster sold out inventories to simply fulfill global orders, they do not have the inventory to supply. It's that simple. We have never, ever, ever encountered this condition before in silver in the whole history of the COMEX. Historic times indeed, Andrew. Uh, another question that's coming up over and over, and it's certainly on the top of my mind, is when do these official interventions, when does this end? Again, we have to look through a wholesale market lens. If you just look at the charts here and you can see you can see the paper market influence still. Um, <clears throat> but I must underscore and reiterate what is actually going on under this smoke and mirrors market. Uh, so, and obviously we're in the, still in the middle of summer here, so it's a pretty easy time to be moving the market around. And I'm pretty sure that at, at, at the right time of day, uh, I, you, or any one of us could actually move that market, um, which is not the smart thing to do, is it? But, you know, unless, unless you've got a, an agenda. but. So in summary, really, uh, Basel III compliance has already forced the COMEX to be physically backed. And that's turned that into a delivery market. And in the meantime, the key market making banks on the COMEX have, as we said last time, sneakily shifted their trading into the still non-compliant LBMA over the counter markets in London, which are 10 times larger. So as we said last time, yeah, some trickery is still possible. 
while the LVMA unallocated gold positions are still categorized as physical, which they won't be at the end of the month, at the end of the year. But it's, it's so far they're using that. It's sufficient to hedge COMEX shorts because it's still categorized as physical. But this paper market liquidity is rapidly unwinding as these unallocated contracts raced to exit by the end of the year. So this is really an unseen bullish driver that is really masked by the closing of long, as we discussed before, you have to close a long 100 to 1 gold long and then you buy the dollar leg back. And obviously, you know, that, that creates volatility, but also creates a heavy a heavy gold price short term, but still removes the amount of overhead supply. So really, if you know, these are the two things that, that I see constantly, two bullish drivers that are front and center of all of this smoke and mirrors game uh, to accommodate Basel III, paper gold futures, liquidity, open interest, as we know, since March 2020, have, re have reduced by 300,000 contracts. Yeah, okay, we've seen some recent open interest additions, but really they largely reflect physical buyers coming in to take delivery of the October and the December contract. And December is a very big delivery month. These are cheap prices. And the other difference is that since the 1st of July, as we say, the COMEX has already become Basel III compliant, a physically deliverable market, which is why some desks that we speak to are not wasted, wait, waiting for this holiday season to be over even. They're, they're jumping in and they've got an $8.25 discount in, for October, uh, which was trading at a premium at the refiners for spot, even to spot. I mean, it's being demanded for physical delivery. This is going to force, ultimately force some discipline on the insiders, just as we evidenced when the EFPs we just talked about blew up in back in March 2020. And as I just reaffirmed, the current setup is remarkably similar, uh, setting up a potential $600 rally in gold and an $18 rally in silver. This is not pie in the sky uh, predictions. So really very, very, very short term. Uh, as these unallocated positions are unwound, we've experiencing heavy market conditions. Yeah, we are uh, into very strong physical market. But this is also exposing these EFPs as a back doorway to obtain cheap physical. If these same actors overlook, if, if they if they overdo this this uh, dumping of leverage unallocated paper contract, if they do it too quickly, other than that, that eight, August 8th raid, where you have thin enough conditions, um, really, it's not possible to, to uh, you're just creating uh, a rod for your own back. You're, you're at that point there, you're, you're digging your, a hole for yourself. Uh, so it's become a very careful balancing act. Um, you've got this evaporating unallocated liquidity. It's already being impacting how the BIS is gonna position itself into the end of the year, which is exactly what it's doing. Uh, very short term, as we outlined, when gold dipped into the high 1600s um, two weeks ago, we, we still see gold futures as magnetic at 1800 to 1810. Even at the time we said in the high 1680s, these guys are still betting on 1800, 1810. We knew that was the option sweet spot. And so really, that's why, well, is it any surprise that we see gold coming and topping out around 1810? And, and it'll be hovering around this level. Um, yes, they'll be they're trying to create a top here, but really, 
that's that's where they wanted it. That's where the insiders wanted it all along, and that's what they that's what they've got. And then when we move, what's going to happen is, you know, we, we're going to uh, see uh, they're going to see some, we're going to see some safe haven flows continue. We've got uncertainty of Jackson Hole this weekend, uh, Powell on Friday, and yeah, so you're going to get some, uh, you know, you're going to get the usual games, but very short term in silver. Uh, we see silver at a price where refiners are willing to buy back Comex silver. I mean, go figure and redistribute it at a premium to spot. Come on. And this will force insiders to take the long side of every single sell order. But also we see the option sweet spot as so divergent at this point from the current price that somehow if we don't get to those prices by options expiry, it's going to create rollover and delivery air pockets to the upside um, if it closes below those levels. So really, the good news is that the wholesale market footprints imply there are much we are much closer to a physical price emerging from this paper market cesspit. There you have it. Thank you so much, Andrew McGuire, Talking Gold. And today, especially Talking Silver, I want to remind everyone I can't give you a bigger clue then to set up an account, not now, but right now, watch the Kinesis Exchange space. If you can spell silver or you know anyone who can, get in there, not now, but immediately uh, check it out. So be sure to help us spread the word with everyone you know. Just uh, hit the like uh, button right there, uh, subscribe, and hit the bell notification. You want to be notified. And again, all Kinesis account holders will be notified. Something very special is coming. So with that, we will see you next time on Live from the Vault. Bye for now.